This is The Recap, a weekly reflection on the sermons of Fellowship Baptist Church in Mainville, Ohio, seeking to help you make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. I'm your host this week, Ryan Land, and I'm here with the preacher of this week's sermon, Brent Wilson. Brent, welcome back to another week. Thanks, man. Another, uh, an exciting, a, a very theological week, I think. Very. Uh, we're going to do some church history and, and today. History. Yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah. do some theology today. So I'm really excited. So uh, a little bit different, not going to like dive in specifically to the content of the sermon, but really kind of talk about the Lord's Supper, kind of, you know, 30,000 foot view, kind of do some his- church history about it. Anyway, I'm excited. Uh, but first, I want to ask you, the sermon started uh, and the, the, the thing Paul's addressing is about division and churches can divide or infight mm-hmm. over some pretty uh, r- ridiculous things sometimes. Silly, silly things. Yeah. Uh, and so I think we probably have experienced that or know, have some st- uh, know some people that have experienced them. Mm-hmm. So what's the funniest thing you've ever heard of a church like dividing or fighting about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's hard when you put the word funny on it because it's like, oh. on the one hand, it's like... It's sad. It's super people, sad. And yeah. so, but I, I think maybe... I mean trivial. What's like the most trivial Okay, thing? okay. That helps me. Uh, this is actually a, a, a local oh. uh, uh, situation I heard of fairly recently. So it's, it's what comes to mind. Um, uh, but... There's a church and uh, someone had made like a ornate cloth, like dually sort of thing mm-hmm. to lay on the Lord's table. This oh, is appropriate. Relevant. Yeah. Um, and uh, f- someone thought that that was, uh, idol- it, was it, it had become too idolatrous mm-hmm. for the church. And so they mm-hmm. took it, the, the pastor removed it. Um, and it caused a big fight and really actually split the church. Like a hundred people left the church over the use of this dually cloth cloth for the Lord's supper on the table. That, that is sad that people left the church over that. Um, but yeah, also a very trivial thing. Mine is somehow even more trivial. Okay. Uh, and I don't, I don't think the church ever split over it. It was just like something that they fought about, but this is not my story. This is, I learned this from a, a professor in class who told us this story in a pastoral ministry class about there was this small church that had a, I'm not joking you. He said a light up bust of Jesus's head. <laughs> like, like it was like a was, nightlight, like a nightlight. Like it, and it was like, it was like painted and it had a light bulb on the inside. And that the previous pastor, every time he went up to preach, he'd turned it on. No, like, Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he turned it on, and and the guy the guy gets there. Uh, the, the new guy, the new guy gets, and he's like, "I'm not doing it. I'm not turning on I'm, Jesus. I'm not, tur- I'm not turning it on." And there's like a lot of fighting about it. <laughs> like he he like tried to rem- like first he tried to remove it, and it was uh, like a big thing. Yeah. And then he was like, "Okay, I'll leave it up there, but I'm not going to turn it on." And still, people were mad. And so. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm gonna my next Christmas present for you, Brent, is gonna oh be a my little, gosh. little light nightlight light Jesus, little nightlight Jesus for you to turn on, mm. click on his head before you. Uh, That's weird, man. I know, isn't that so funny? That's weird. Um, I just the mental image yeah. of a guy going up to preach and before he does like Mister Rogers style, yeah. like turning on a lamp, <laughs> it's Jesus's head. Um, ridiculous. So, end of First Corinthians eleven. 
uh, Paul talking about the Lord's Supper and kind of opens the door or opens the conversation uh, talking about divisions in the church. So walk us through that a little bit. Uh, you know, what what are they dividing over? How is that manifesting? You hit on a little bit in your sermon, um, but yeah. paint the paint the picture for and us. And so Paul kind of uh, tells us a little bit about it. Basically, you've got they're meeting in a church, which is a house church because they you know they're not they don't have any buildings at this point. And as the church is growing, they got to get in bigger homes, and so they're in the you know the richer people's homes meeting because their rich people's homes are going to be bigger. Uh, and the the rich people don't have to work, particularly on Sundays, but probably you know not working at all. And, uh, and so they're there all day long, uh, uh, eating, drinking, uh, being merry, being merry. And then at the end of the day, when the other people, the poor people have been working all day, come, they're hungry while the food's been eating and the other people are drunk because they've been sipping on wine all day. And then there's no room in the, in the sitting area. And so they're having to go to almost an overflow room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're divided by, uh, by wealth. They're divided by class. They're divided by hunger and drunkenness. Uh, and so they are emotionally divided because there's mm-hmm. frustrations over these things, but they're also literally physically divided. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Paul's addressing that. And he's saying, hey, the Lord's Supper really should be a time of coming together. Uh, and it is exasperating or exposing the divisions that already exist mm-hmm. uh, there in that church. And one thing that's interesting about specifically the first century church is that what the their their taking of the Lord's Supper and our taking of the Lord's Supper looked very different. Yeah. There's a lot more eating related when they took it. And so mm-hmm. uh, when people are hungry, they don't really want to take it. When people are hungry, they want to, and like, you know, Paul talks about, it, it's like, don't eat it. Yeah. Eat at home. To, to, yeah. Eat it. Yeah. yeah eat at home. Um, uh, and they would, and, but then if they're all sitting there, it's like, it's good. To, it's taking some time, right? Yeah. They're, they're talking, they're reflecting, they're, mm-hmm. you know, worshiping, praying. And if they're all doing that separately, it's not just this one little tiny part of the worship service that then they're mm-hmm. doing in different rooms or whatever. It's this very It'd significant thing. It'd be more like thing. us doing it at Wednesday night dinner. Yeah. And saying, Hey, uh, all the people of this age and up, go sit in this room. All the people this yeah. age and down, go sit in that room. Yeah. Or if you join the church before this year, Come sit up here on the stage. If you joined it after this year, <laughs> go sit down there. And half the people have already eaten, or they yeah, been... yeah. And y'all get to serve first. You get yeah. served first. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So then, you know, apply that kind of principle to, you know, not specifically our church, but our day and age, right? What are the things we tend to divide over, right? Yeah, I mean, they can be theological. They can be preferential. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in my lifetime, the biggest division I've seen in the church, which I think has by and large passed, but mm-hmm. particularly when I was younger, was music. Yeah, the worship wars. The worship wars. Uh, that was a big fight mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time and caused great division. Well, and honestly, still does. Oh, the, yeah. The way it's been remedied, I think, is largely unhelpful, is the people that want traditional music go to one service. And the people yeah. that want contemporary yeah. music go to another service, yeah, yeah. which is <laughs> just creates a division over musical style. Yeah. And so instead of the church looking like a Thanksgiving dinner where the whole family and all generations are sitting around a table mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, uh, oh, grandma and grandpa are going to go to this restaurant and parents are going to go to that restaurant. All the kids are going to go to this restaurant Yeah, yeah. instead of sitting at the table together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think music's been the big one. Um, I think that, uh, Maybe some theological things, uh, probably a lot of political things have divided mm-hmm. us. And so the the biggest theological one I can think of is um, how people talk about like election, 
salvation. Yeah, and some yeah, in some ways. Yeah, uh, um, that that's certainly been one. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. Uh, in in Baptist life, particularly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Politics may actually divide us more than theology sometimes. Oh, no, no, it certainly does. Which, which is sad. <laughs> I, well, it's like the priority of things that divide us. Like the music we prefer, number one. The, <laughs> the politicians <laughs> we prefer, number two. Yeah. And then like what we believe about the Bible and, and what we believe about God. That's like three. It's yeah, like yeah. the third <laughs> echelon thing that divides us. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, it's one, like and the, if we're going to be divided over something, like let's make that, something yeah, important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Book of Revelation might have caused some, oh, some for division. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, dispensational versus like um, covenant theology. Covenant theology, yeah. yeah, something like that. Um, maybe spirit, like uh, gifts. gifts. Yeah, speaking in tongues. Maybe some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, loser salvation. Yeah, yeah. On a smaller level, but that's I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, I think uh, honestly, like a lot of times, it's uh, you dug up that plant. My grandfather planted mm. that plant. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, you painted that wall. You re- my, gra- my grandma painted that wall. You removed that cloth. I know who, from the Lord's Supper yeah, table, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know who made it. And so, yeah, 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 certainly. And on a, on a small, like, well, it's, I say this, right? But I think experientially, it's a little bit different. But it's like one person can get upset by that thing. And then it sort of like seeps into can, other people. Yeah. I, I read a thing today that said, um, there's a stat that says it takes fewer than uh, than 10 unhappy people to remove a pastor at a church. Like their oh, unhappiness. Wow. That's scary. <laughs> their, their, uh, their unhappiness can just be so infectious. Oh, yeah. And they can be so. It spreads. I think yeah, we're talking about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think the one time I can think of that, not really almost happening here, but like there was some there was some chatter was we when I first got here, I don't even remember. Maybe you were here at this point. We moved the steps. We took the old steps out and put the new oh, little black stage in. Oh, I remember because I, I put those out through the dumpster. <laughs> I remember people being like, I got married on those stairs. Oh, uh, yeah. Which yeah. is cool to be nostalgic about. That's not a yeah, problem. Yeah. But, and no one got upset about it. Right, right. That's the kind of thing people in some churches do get upset about. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think politics, you know, particularly, uh, that's, that's you know, 100% true. Um, but also, I think racially, and you mentioned this oh, yeah. in your... Uh, it's just that one, just historically, mm-hmm. um, because of some of the, the the failures of of white Christians in the past, black Christians, black believers had to just make their own churches because yeah. white Christians didn't want them in their churches or didn't mm-hmm. even think they needed to be saved. Or um, so I think there's a historical problem we're coming up against mm-hmm. when you talk about how we're racially divided. And yeah. and what you said is true. It's like that. Um, it's the most segregated hour of the hour week. of the week is, yeah. is the Sunday morning. Um, and so, you know, you get, you get into some of the historical stuff, but, but uh, you know, there's, there's things that go on in any particular church. And so there's a lot of things that divide us. So what are those things we do divide over? Yeah. Because like, we do like we yeah, have yeah. denominations and we think that's like me and you, we both think that's good. Like mm-hmm. it's good that there are denominations. Yeah. I think like we can divide over uh, things that are, lost and saved like i use that titanic mm-hmm. illustration mm-hmm. uh and it's you know at the end of the day uh if you don't believe or affirm something that is essential to the gospel and you're not you're not a christian yeah you know we can divide over that mm-hmm. you don't believe in the resurrection of jesus the virgin birth the authority of the bible mm-hmm. the trinity those types of things 
we, we really, really can't, there's no basis for unity. Uh, yeah. And then downstream of that a little bit, we can have a level of unity, uh, like on a broad scale, but mm-hmm. probably not in a local church context. Which, yeah, like, like something like um, the Gospel Coalition or... Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Or we, like, we can do missions together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm meeting with pastors uh, next week from uh, all over Mainville of different denominations to talk about the doing a crisis pregnancy center together. It's like, that's something we can partner in. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in a local church setting, the fact that, that, you know, one group might want to baptize babies Mm -hmm. uh, or have a different view of the Lord's supper or um, want to like prophesy and speak in tongues. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of things. It's like, we can't have super great unity uh, because those are big enough deals that we need to kind of divide over that a little bit. And we're not coming together necessarily at the Lord's table in a local church. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And not that there can't be theological disagreement in a church, right? It's yeah, like, yeah, like we disagree about the book of Revelation. We can disagree about um, spiritual gifts. So on, on some level, we could disagree about the Lord's Supper. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, there's, there's a, a range of positions that are acceptable and a range that aren't acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, some are in line with Scripture and others are, yeah, you know, pretty clearly out of line with Scripture. Yeah. So, uh, well, then let's... let's uh, Let's let's talk about first before we get to that. Let's talk about first like what? Why do we do the Lord's Supper? Like what? What is it for? Yeah. So we have two covenant signs uh, in the New Covenant. So you think about all covenants typically come with signs. You think of Noah and the flood. Uh, God the promised not, never. Yeah, the rainbow. Uh, Abraham. Uh, the sign is co- uh, circumcision. Um, and so in the New Testament, the covenant sign is baptism and the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. So you have the entry sign into the covenant baptism and the continual sign of the covenant, the Lord's Supper. And Mm -hmm. so it is a continual reminder of this covenant God has made with us. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like every time we see the rainbow in the sky, it is a reminder that God won't destroy the world again. Uh, Every time Mm -hmm. we look at our wedding ring, we're reminded of the commitment and the covenant we've made with a wife or spouse. Um, And every time we take the Lord's Supper, we're reminded that to enact this covenant, Christ's body had to be broken and his blood had to be poured out for the remission of sin. And so that's why we do it. Um, we're commanded to do it. It's a covenant sign. And I think we'll get to this later, but I think something a little special is going on in it. Mm-hmm. If we take it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, I think it's important. Yeah. And so, you know, you talked about it being a, a proclamation, right. Mm-hmm. Of, of what, what, God has done what he's continuing to do. Uh, so un- unpack that a little bit. Like what, what is it a proclamation of what, when we are sitting there, you know, holding our elements mm-hmm. and we're reflecting, right. What, what should we be thinking about in terms of what this proclaims? Yeah. yeah. So often when we think of proclamation, we think of someone speaking words and this mm-hmm. is a, a proclamation of symbols. Mm-hmm. And so it is literally Paul says we, uh, as we take this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Mm-hmm. And so it's obviously centered around his death. And so we're, uh, when we are taking it, we're reflecting on, I think, one, the necessity of the death mm-hmm. of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, the night before Jesus was betrayed, he yeah. did this, looking forward to this, because this is the only way salvation could be accomplished. If it could be accomplished another way, in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus wouldn't have said, Father, if there's another way, let this cut past for me. Yeah. And so this is the only way. And so we're talking about, we think of Christ had to die for me because I'm a sinner. Um, it proclaims salvation is for me, right? The bread 
his body was broken for you, not just for your neighbor, not just for those people over there, but for you specifically and personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think th this, this meal is for me. Um, I think we're, uh, looking forward as well to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as often, you know, take this, uh, until the Lord returns. Yeah. And so, you know, we're looking forward to Christ's victory and the culmination and fulfillment of what this death has meant and how I talked about this already, not yet, that Christ has victory, but his victory is coming in full. Mm -hmm. And so we experience mm -hmm. it in part now, but in full later. And so we are looking forward to the culmination of this victory on the cross. Uh, and then I think it also just reminds us of our unity mm -hmm. that we, you know, there's, there's, I wish we could take it with one loaf. Right. And come break it off because we need, we need a pretty big loaf, big old, big old loaf. But, uh, because it, it does communicate we're one body, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, one body who are all sinners, who are all saved by grace. Mm -hmm. And so it should humble all of us and unify all of us and cross those dividing lines, whether it's white, black, Republican, Democrat, um, uh, or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. Ohio state, Michigan fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it should bring this unity uh, because man, we're all in the same boat mm -hmm. and th this is the most important thing. Yeah. I, I like that. You know, you pointed out, it's got this, this personal, you know, element, right? It's like Christ died for me, but then it's also got this connecting element, right? But mm -hmm. Christ didn't just die for me. He died for that person who's yep. taking the supper and that person who's participating in the supper. Yep. And so I think that's, that's really helpful when we take, when we take it right. Sometimes I think there's this sense, I think we sometimes are good at the, the, individual part like we're like oh yes this is a reminder for me um mm -hmm. i think a yeah. lot of times it's hard for us to be like oh but this is also a reminder that i am bought and paid for yeah just as they are right and so it unites us to them um so then so it's a it's a proclamation the necessity of christ's death our unity uh but then also it's a participation right and so mm -hmm. so talk about that uh, a little bit before we get into what that what that means yeah so if you go back to chapter 10 verse 16 he says the cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of christ the bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of christ mm -hmm. or participation uh it really means fellowship yeah uh, and sorry if i can interrupt yeah. you real quick right before that at the end of what i preached on mm -hmm. a, a couple of weeks ago he talks about uh, are the priests not participating in the meal mm. when he's talking about uh, the Israelite, the, the Jewish priests in the tabernacle. And he's relating it to eating the, the meat sacrificed to idols, right. uh, saying that this meal with the Jewish priests participate in it, they're participating with God and the temple meals. If the priests are doing it as a participation, they're actually participating with demons. Mm. Uh, and so that there's this, it's not just we're doing this together. Mm -hmm. It's there's a unique, mm uh spiritual reality spiritual reality yeah. that's going on right whether yeah. it be with god or with demons yeah, yeah, yeah. um and so that's kind of like the connective tissue between him talking about food sacrifice mm -hmm. to idols and then to here yeah and, and and so this fellowshipping so the cup of blessing that we bless is it not a fellowship with the blood of christ it's not this mingling this intertwining with the blood of christ and with the body of christ and so um so what does that mean? You know, mm -hmm. if you also, if you think about John's gospel, when uh, Jesus is uh, preaching and teaching and there's all these crowds, he says, uh, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Uh, people have been interpreted that in different ways in, in the Lord's Supper. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. so when we take the bread, we feast on the flesh of Christ, on the body of Christ. When we take the, the, the wine, we take 
his blood. Mm -hmm. And so there have been really four predominant historical views um, uh, over the centuries um, about this. And I think it'd be helpful for us to walk through them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So first you have the Catholic view. So I don't really know off the top of my head where this starts, Mm -hmm. um, but early on in Christendom, this kind of idea starts all the way up until the Protestant Reformation. And the Catholics believed in what's called transubstantiation, trans being transform. And so when the priest comes and blesses uh, the, the bread and the wine, it, they believe that it literally transforms by the blessing of the priest into the physical, real mm-hmm. body and blood of Jesus. And so when you take it, you are eating the flesh of Christ. And so therefore you have a part with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are taking salvation into you. And if you've ever been to a Catholic church, you'll see that when, when they're done, the priest drinks all of the wine that's left over. Because the blood of Christ cannot be wasted, mm-hmm. um, and so it is—it is not a symbol in the slightest. It is mm-hmm. salvation that you take into you. Yeah. Often in Catholic churches, you'll see the the pulpit off to the side mm-hmm. and the table in the middle because salvation is not found in the Word as it much as it is found in the table, yeah, in the Lord's table. And so the the most important thing about that one is like that. There's two. There's one major difference in the Catholic view than from the other ones we're going to go through, and this and that's the salvific. Yeah. Aspect of it. Yeah. Right. Um, there's so, so none of the other, none of the other positions believe there's anything salvific about uh, right. the Lord's supper, but like going on to like the Lutheran view. So, you know, you've got, you got the Catholic view as a majority, you know, of all of Christendom until the Protestant Reformation. And then Lutheran's view, this is one of the things he challenges yeah. uh, during the Reformation. So, and, yeah. And he, he still argues for, uh, a presence. Yeah. Real presence yeah. is what he calls it. Yeah, yeah. So this is late 1500s, mm-hmm. early 1600s. Um, he calls it, so the, the theological term is consubstantiation. Not transubstantiation, but cons. So it's not transforming in the body of the blood of Christ. It just is it. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't, and Luther's big problem was the priesthood. Mm-hmm. He didn't think the priests were magical or special or endowed mm-hmm. by God with whatever that they could come and bless it and somehow transform it into that. He just said, no, no, it is that, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is weird. I don't know what what differentiates for Luther yeah. bread from other bread, and it's all mm-hmm. bread. The body, you well, know, and and it's interesting. It's like when we talk about and and theologians even within these camps would disagree on this. Is like, what does it mean that the pr- it's the presence, right? Mm-hmm. It is like the presence of the body of Christ, right? Like, mm-hmm. like they would define that differently um, because what neither of them are saying. Is that on a subatomic level, like it is physically the body of Christ, like yeah, like like certainly modern people are not saying that. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and so but that's an interesting thing to go back and read because modern people I think would see that and go yeah of course not it's not flesh mm-hmm. but I don't know that I mean I think they had a very uh, more and more spiritual view of the world. Um, Everything was spiritual in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the reason you drilled holes in people's heads to get the demons out because they had a headache. Um, yeah. uh, and so Luther really did believe that the the presence of the body of Christ was manifest in the bread. It's not that the bread transformed into literal flesh, but that somehow, mm-hmm. spiritually speaking, um, and the reason I want to you know emphasize this is because Calvin's view that we're going to talk about next is more spiritual in a sense. And so mm-hmm. Luther really, really did believe it was the presence of Christ mm-hmm. physically somehow. 
not tra- not transformed, not actual flesh, but somehow it was the body of Christ mm-hmm. that you ate upon his flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not as much as the Catholics that salvation was bound in there, but for Luther, a little bit was, yeah, so, I mean, salvation is is made real to you as you mm-hmm. continue to take it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he definitely believes in justification by faith alone. Um, but the, but the separate just deal. not as much as us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, so you get from, from Luther, the, you, so you've got the, the Catholic view, which has been the dominant view for, you know, I think, I mean, Pigeon. not, not the, from the early church. I think, I think there's probably a later, like probably a medieval development. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, let's say a thousand years, this yeah. is the, this yeah. is the predominant view. Uh, and then you've got Luther challenging the view. And then, I mean, like, just very quickly after Luther mm-hmm. comes Calvin and his view is very different. Yeah. And, and the reason for this is because before Luther nails his 95 theses to the wall and challenges the Catholic church, nobody would challenge the Catholic church. Nobody one really could read the Bible because nobody could read right. Latin. Only a few people could, but right. Luther doing this inspires this ripple effect of change and challenge, mm-hmm. uh, which gets us to where we are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Luke, but Calvin comes along and he challenges even Luther's view. And he says, uh, no, man, this, th- th- this bread and wine are, are not the presence mm-hmm. of Jesus. It's not literally flesh or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Calvin says that as we take it by faith, and that's really important for Calvin, mm-hmm. that as we take it by faith. And so an unbeliever might take it uh, and it, it'd be different. So Calvin mm-hmm. says, this is by faith. It is a means of grace whereby the presence of God is uh, brought into us in a very mystical, spiritual, real way. Mm-hmm. Um, not because the bread is somehow special, yeah. but because God in his grace has uh, placed his presence mm-hmm. in this meal and that because it's a covenant sign and he's doing something special. He's sanctifying believers. He's, mm-hmm. he's putting his love deeper in their hearts. He's doing something spiritual that we don't mm-hmm. always understand by, as we take it by faith. Yeah. So it's a, it's a move. Calvin makes a move from the elements themselves being sp- spiritual. Yes. That's a good way to say it. To the act of taking it yeah. by faith. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, being the, um, sanctifying, right? Mm-hmm. Like the reminder, the, uh, you know, it's not the, it's not the bread and the wine. It's the act of, of mm-hmm. eating the bread and the wine by faith. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes oh, it spiritual. That's helpful way to say it. it's, it's, it's similar, I think, to the Israelites in the old Testament when they made a sacrifice, this, when they would mm-hmm. sacrifice a lamb, it did not forgive them of their sins. Mm-hmm. But as they did it by faith, mm-hmm. God forgave them of their sins based on the future sacrifice of Christ. Yeah. And so the act itself of sacrificing animal didn't do anything. But as they did it by faith, it did something. So I, I, I think what you're saying is really helpful. So as it's not the, there's nothing special in the, in the food, mm-hmm. but as we take it by faith, something special is happening by God's grace. Yeah. Um, which doesn't mean we should just use anything. I'm just going to throw that yeah, out so there. So no diet Coke and goldfish. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say no. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think the, even though it's not special, there are instruct, you know, like the elements themselves aren't spiritual. Right. Jesus gives instruction on how to do it. Yeah. Uh, bread and, so, and fruit of the vine. Yeah. Yeah. And so Welch's sure, I guess. <laughs> Uh, Baptists, you can, you can do the Welches. Uh, <laughs> so then we get to, from Calvin first. So we got Luther to Calvin and then we got this, 
Uh, this is a guy you may never heard of. Is he Dutch? I think he may be Dutch. I think so. Uh, Ulrich Zwingli. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, and his position is the is the traditional historic Baptist position on the Lord's Supper. Correct? Am uh, I wrong in that? Both of these Calvin's and Zwingli's view that have Baptists have held to both of them. Okay. Uh, but in more recent history, Baptists have more identified with Zwingli's okay. view. I just think maybe sometimes if you do some reading, Zwingli's view is called the Baptist view. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah probably. Um. Um. But what? What? So what's Ulrich Zwingli? Yeah. So Ulrich to? Zwingli. Um. Uh, comes out and he says, y'all are all wrong. Um, uh, he says, it is it is but a mere symbol. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, there's nothing spiritual happening. Mm-hmm. It is a physical reminder of a spiritual reality. Mm-hmm. It's a physical reminder. It's merely physical. It's it's a it's a symbol, physical mm-hmm. symbol. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Most Baptists, especially now, are, uh, hold to that. Uh, that might be changing now, but like mm-hmm. I would say in the past 50, 100 years, mm-hmm. most Baptists were holding to that. Yeah. Um, um, and it's not like theological liberalism. It's not heresy. No, 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 right? no. It's like people we it's know and position. respect. Yeah, it's a totally fair position. Yeah. Most people in our church probably hold this position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably tend to hold more to Calvin's position. Um, but uh, but this is one of those examples that you can hold to either one of them in our church. Yeah. No, no big deal. Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of grilling Brent about it earlier because uh, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I the think, jury's out for Ryan. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you want to try to convince me of of one of the positions, uh, come find me, uh, and I'll I'm 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 open to suggestion. Not I mean not any suggestion. Yeah. But uh, I'm pretty much I'm open to the Calvin Zwingli suggestion. Yeah. Uh, so there's kind of the historic, uh, you know, views on what it means to parti- part to participate. Right. Yeah. Is, 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 are we, are we actually eating his flesh? Are we just reminding ourselves of his flesh? Are we? And, the, uh, and, and it's interesting, you know, people today will talk about old denominations. We shouldn't have denominations, right? We should all just be one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I look back and say, people really, f- they actually literally fought, literally killed people, literally died, literally oh, fought Oh, I mean, wars. like literally thousands, hundreds of thousands of <laughs> Catholics and Protestants were killed like yeah. in the medieval and, and over, era over two main issues, baptism and the Lord's supper, mm-hmm. uh, whether you baptize babies and what that means for you or, uh, your view of the Lord's supper. These are the two things that have divided and created really what I would say are probably the five main denominations. Everything else is split up. Mm-hmm. Um, and those differences are real and mm-hmm. they matter and they're significant. Mm-hmm. So we should so there's a there's a good reason for denominational differences, yeah, yeah. but we also shouldn't kill people for no it. <laughs> no 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 no. Just wanted to make that clear. Uh, so then we go from so it's a proclamation. Uh, there's this participation, whatever that may be, and then there is uh, you talked about how there's this self examination. Yeah. So uh, expound on that for a second. Uh, like what what do we mean when we are self examining taking the Lord's supper? Yeah, so he says in verse 28, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my points is simply like, if this is just a physical sign of a reminder, why are people getting sick and dying, yeah. taking it in an unworthy way? seems like mm-hmm. something spiritual is happening here. Oh, yeah. Or when he says, you know, it's like if you do take it and you haven't examined yourself, you drink judgment on your head. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that seems like something something greater is is yeah. happening here than just the physical. Right. Uh, and so the I think the command is clear. One of the reasons we pass it out and say, hey, take some time to think about this is mm-hmm. – 
to examine yourself. Should you take this? You know, some of the reasons that you might not take it are you are, um, there's divisions among you, mm -hmm. right? Maybe you're, uh, you realize, man, I'm sitting in this church and I am ticked off at my buddy over there because of something that he said or did to me. And I'm so mad mm -hmm. and I need to get up and go over there and reconcile with him before I take it. Uh, maybe you've come and you're taking it uh, from a place of pride and arrogance and you've realized all of a sudden, man, I have assumed the grace of God and thought I've been good enough and deserve it. And really, I've been convicted of my sin and I've not come to take this in a humble uh, manner. And so mm -hmm. I need to back off. Or I think um, also it's like, man, I'm, I'm a living and unrepentant, willful sin. I'm, mm -hmm. uh, I'm a living with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I am uh, sleeping with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I uh, am addicted to pornography. I mm -hmm. am uh, uh, actively stealing from the till at my work. Mm -hmm. um, whatever the case may be, it's like, I'm, and, and I'm convinced it's not sin or I'm, or, I'm, or, or I'm, I'm, I'm at least, I don't care. Yeah. Like I know it's sin. I'm just gonna do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I, I, you know, I read, I read it. People say it this way. It's like, you can't, Come to the Lord's Supper saying, thank you for the cross while also yelling, crucify him. Mm -hmm. those, two, you're, those two things are at odds with one another. And so if you are holding to the one where you're trampling on the cross, mm -hmm. don't come in gratitude for it. Go deal with that first. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say, and this is what I didn't want people to hear. That's not to say it's like, man, if you sinned this week and like you can think about your sin. <laughs> I, I, used to, I used to think this, like when I was younger, I, like this used to be my yeah. view. It's like, it's like, if you sin this week, it doesn't mean that it's not for you. It's like, no, it actually is. For, this is, mm -hmm. this meal's for sinners. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that. So you that, didn't want, you didn't want to do the Scottish. No, I did. That, that Scottish story I told was like, take it, Lassie. It's for sinners. And people, people came up to me and they were like, we got to get Brent to preach the whole <laughs> no. sermon. Yeah. In his, in his Scottish accent. That's so funny. Someone said, I don't know what's better, Brent's redneck voice or his Scottish voice. <laughs> Um, so people are love for the Scottish. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. That's you know, I'm here for the people. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's for sinners, and so yeah. sinners should take it. Uh, it is for the those who are willfully, uh, unrepentantly, uh, un, they're not grieved over, they're not fighting their sin. That is where it's a problem mm -hmm. because you are cursing the cross while also trying to praise it. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> so examine yourself, and if you are, if there's division, if there's no humility if there's willful sin in your life, then it's like maybe you should take it doesn't mean that you're not a believer. Maybe you just need to like not take this right now unless you drink judgment mm -hmm. on yourself. And then but if you are an unbeliever, don't don't take it. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. If you're an unbeliever, definitely don't take it. Yeah. And so I, I used the church I used to go to, um, they they we took the Lord's Supper every week and and what the pastor would always say was, you know, he would draw the the lines around the table, who can come, who can't come. And he would say, and if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you've not made him your king, we would ask that you not take this meal and instead you take Christ. Yeah. And that's what that's what we would want as a yeah. church is to say, like, hey, this is not a this is not a time to exclude you. Mm -hmm. Uh this is a time to say, like, hey, you've got to take a step yeah. before you can get here. Yeah. Um, before you can join us, yeah. right, at the table. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's really important. Uh Right before, just before we wrap up, let's talk a little bit about another, you know, there's another set of positions here. A lot of positions about the Lord's table. Yeah. But who can partake of the Lord's Supper? Yeah. So a lot of, so churches have looked over the centuries at this examination and said, okay, well, we are responsible in a sense mm -hmm. as to who takes this meal. 
Um, yeah, we we and I, I agree. Like we should do our due diligence, right? Mm-hmm. Like you do a good job of this every time we do it, drawing clear lines yeah. over who should who is who this is available to or not. Because if we actually believe that people who don't who take it without self-examination would take it with a wrong posture. Unbeliever takes it. If we actually believe that they drink God's judgment upon their head, that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. we need like, we need to do our due diligence about protecting people. Yeah. Um, and they can't just be taking it in ignorance. Right. So, so the way that people have that churches have. Yeah. So there's three main positions. Yeah. Uh, that they and and the the phrase is uh, how they fence the table. Mm-hmm. So how they put a fence around the Lord's table to prevent uh, particular people or lifestyle people in particular lifestyles from taking it. So the the most intense position is the closed position, and I mm-hmm. would say unless you're a member of our church in good standing, you cannot take it. And so church which are, historical Baptist position. Uh, I think all the I mean I think it's cross denominational, but Baptists mm-hmm. certainly have held to this. Mm-hmm. Um, the Baptist faith and message as we hold to the document really, I would say probably articulates this position. Yeah. Uh, so yes, probably historically Baptist. Yeah. Um, but that, the reason for that is the church has said, Hey, we are only accountable to our members. We mm-hmm. know who they are. Um, you know, that the church has to have a high view of membership and says, mm-hmm. Hey, we've done church discipline to remove people. You know, the mm-hmm. reason that churches used to send letters is because you move from this town to this town. We don't know who you are, but you come to our church. Oh, but your pastor sent you with the letter saying, hey, this person is a is a member of our church in good standing. Uh, so we'll accept you based on this letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and nowadays that doesn't happen. But recently um, I got a call from a pastor who said, hey, just want you to know a, a, a family has left my church and I've noticed that they're going to your church. I want to let you know, here's the deal with them. Da, 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 da. Because that letter system doesn't really work anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, we got to talk. And it's like, oh, that was super helpful. Um, when, when I came here, I got a letter of trans. I got transferred. You, tra- you transferred your letter. I transferred my letter. Yeah, man. Um, I'm an old school guy. <laughs> You're an old soul. <laughs> um, and, and so that closed position says, mm-hmm. Hey, church is over. We're going to dismiss all the guests out. If you're a member of our church, we know who you are. We know you're in good standing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know you're not under church discipline for some unrepentant sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we'll take the Lord's Supper together. Yeah. Then you, uh, you move, I don't know if it's you move left or you move out or whatever, but uh, yeah. the, the next one is the close position. So you go from closed. Closed. To close. To close. And that is uh, really only Baptists can hold this position uh, because it is only baptized believers can take the Lord's Supper. That mm-hmm. is those who have been baptized by immersion as a believer. Mm-hmm. So if you've been baptized as a baby, can't take it. And so mm-hmm. this is for baptized believers. Uh, this is actually probably a lot of Baptist, most Baptist churches yeah. hold this position uh, today anyway. Um, yeah. So if, if there's a, if there's a family at our church that is a member of a gospel believing church and they've been baptized by immersion, but they happen to be at our church on Sunday and we take the Lord's Supper. They can take it. They can take it. Yeah. If it was closed, they, they could not take it. Right. But if because it's close, they, they could. Uh, but if a Presbyterian family, gospel believing, saved family came, uh, the close position would say, no, you can't take it mm-hmm. uh, because you've not been properly baptized. You've not mm-hmm. received the entry sign into the covenant. Therefore, you can't take the continual sign. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, and then you have the open position, which a lot of churches hold to today. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and ours, I would say, is a little bit of a modified between close and open. But um, the open position is uh, any any believer can take it, mm-hmm. regardless of baptism status, 
uh, denominational status, as long as you're a believer in Christ, Mem- membership status, you yeah. can take it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the reason I say ours is a little bit modular is because for me, kids who, who maybe professed faith, but have not walked through the steps of counseling to get baptized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think you should ideally take the covenant sign at the entry mm-hmm. sign first and you're affirmed in that faith mm-hmm. and it's real and it's genuine other people have affirmed it in you before you take because mm-hmm. it can be confusing oh i'm taking the lord's supper and then it's like but am i a believer I mm-hmm. yeah so. yeah what well, i've even i've even counseled students right it's like hey you know, you're getting baptized in two weeks we're taking the lord's supper this week don't do it right yeah. you know like i i i'm i'm confident you're you're a believer but because of you haven't taken the entry sign mm-hmm. right i want i want you to do this in the, the proper order, right? Yep. So it's like, you can miss one more. Yeah. Like, I, I promise you it'll be here Yeah, uh, in, in two weeks or three weeks or whatever when, when we do it, um, which leads us to our, our Q&A. We got one question with, with I'm sure with no agenda at all. <laughs> but this person asks, what is stopping us from moving to taking communion every week? Um, I guess me. <laughs> get him get him people that want to take it every week uh, i mean i guess if i said well, let's do it every week we would uh th- there's nothing particularly stopping us it is just a big cultural shift for our church mm-hmm. um and i, I want to be fair nowhere in scripture does it does it yeah say do it every week yeah it says do it often as often as you do it yeah do it remember to me um but but it, 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 I, I do not think you can make a clear argument that says it says do it every week. Right, right, for sure. Um, so I don't think like churches are in sin for not doing it every week. Yeah. Um, just before before you before everyone's like, well, then this is Brent's fault. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so uh, I would like to do it more often. Uh, there's also a pragmatic issue of like you know, someone's got to get there to prepare it, set it up, people to pass it out. Um, just a little bit of logistical hurdle Mm -hmm. um and so there may be a place in the future where we figure out a better way to do that and so we may do it i don't know more regularly could be Mm -hmm. weekly i don't know um i'm also into the rip and dip and so it's like we did it with i'd want to do the rip and dip. explain the rip (laughs) people don't know what the rip i want to do real bread that you rip like a like like a a loaf loaf of bread like a loaf that you rip off and you dip it in a cup particularly of wine but can't have wine on the church campus that's so. true so and the reason i want to do wine is because uh wine is bitter gosh i was and, just about to say this and, and and you know the cross is bitter not sweet like grape juice and so the imagery is uh, uh closer yeah i i remember someone preaching on this one time and it was really impactful for me because they talked about when you bite into the bread mm-hmm. and you feel it break onto yeah. your teeth it's like you should be thinking of it. You should be reminded of Christ's bones being crushed, his yeah. flesh being torn. Yeah. And it's like, and when you taste the sour, you know, burn of the of the wine. Of the wine. Like you should think of the of the suffering, of yeah. the the cup of wrath that yeah. was that that was poured out. Right. Yeah. Um and you do lose a little bit of that that sensory imagery with uh the sweetness with the sweetness yeah for sure um so um uh let's just do some old grape juice like let's leave it out <laughs> probably be gross then <laughs> um 
<laughs> Technically, is that what wine is? You just leave it out? I guess. I don't know. I don't know how that um, works. But you know, for me, the, the argument that if we do it too often, it's not special has always fallen on deaf ears to me. It, it reminds me a little bit of there's this uh, old Mickey Mouse uh, movie about Christmas with Donald Duck. Uh, it's really the th- his three little nephew ducks. Huey, Louie, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah. So they wish, at, there's the like a DuckTales. shooting star or something, they wish that Christmas would be every day. Mm. And so every morning they wake up and they repeat, uh, repeat Christmas again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually they realize it's lost its specialness. Like we just want to have normal life, not Christmas. Like it's lost its flair. And I think sometimes people think of the Lord's Supper like that. Like, hey, if we do it every week, it's like, it'll become repetitious. It'll become routine. It won't be special. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly a risk of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Jesus invited me to dinner every week, I don't think I'm telling him, no, I'm going to get bored with you. Yeah. Um, Maybe not this week, Jesus. Yeah. Call me in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're, if you're like, you know what, honey, your spouse, like, I'm just, I'm tired. Of you. I don't want to spend time with you. That's like, oh, that's actually, that's a great, I think that's a great analogy. Um, you know, is to say like, you know, I've just like kind of, I, I think we should live in different houses and only see each other once a month. Yeah. Because once then, a quarter. It'll, then it'll be really special when we see each other. Right. Uh, it's like, that's silly. No yeah. one in their right mind says that. Uh, and so, and particularly if you think that the, that God's presence is made manifest in the supper mm-hmm. and there's something spiritual happening. Mm-hmm. I'd like to do that often. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you said, like it, it might become, you know, repetitious. And my mind was like, good. Like we, we yeah. should want to repeat that. Yeah. It's like preaching the gospel message to ourselves and, yeah. and not just hearing it, but it's like, we experience it. We feel well, it. Well, that's we a good point too. It's it. like, what, what if we said, you know what, Brent, you know, talk, give some motivational talks, but only get to the gospel once, once every quarter. quarter. Yeah, it's like, no, of course not. And so it's like, if the Lord's Supper is a preaching of the gospel to mm-hmm. us through mm-hmm. physical means, yeah, we should do that all the it's time. It's like, wouldn't we want to proclaim and participate the, and participate every week? <laughs> and examine ourselves. Yeah. Like, all seems like good things. Yeah, yeah. All uh, good things. And on, and honestly, like, we, we've talked about this some, about how our, our patterns and our habits mm-hmm. form us. Mm-hmm. People will talk about our giving prayer, about how we've been saying it for, I don't know, two, three years now. And it's like the, the the repetition of those words have formed my view of mm-hmm. giving and generosity. And sure, they can come and be mundane for people. They can say them without thinking about them. But it's mm-hmm. like they've memorized those words mm-hmm. and they haunt them, mm-hmm. right? And 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 change them, yeah, because of repetition. And so, uh, so I, I I would like to do it more often. We may get there uh, at some point, but taking it. Quarter by quarter or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> month by month. Uh, well, all right. Anything anything else on, on the Lord's Supper? No, I'm, I'm drained. Yeah. I, I, I think I just want to end it with one, take it, lassie. <laughs> it's for sinners. I wanted to try. <laughs> oh, oh. so let us know in the comments, wherever you, who's, who's, who's Scottish accent is better. Scottish accent is better. Now, now Ryan's, here's the, here's the deal. Ryan has a plethora of great accents. Brent's like campaigning for people to vote for his But I, I may accent. have one. I got one in my pocket. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us for the recap. We hope this conversation has encouraged you to keep striving to make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. If you aren't part of our church family, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday morning. We gather for worship at 1030 a.m. For more information, you can always go to myfellowship.church. Thanks for listening. Be blessed.